Hello, Disney fans, and welcome to the show. My name is Austin Terrace, and I'm joined here today by my wonderful sister, Emma. Hi, everyone. Coming up on this episode of Disney Daydream, the Disneyland Forward Project is announced, Mark Elliott has passed away, and the People Mover has been closed for over a year. Later on, we'll talk about the major Oscar nominations Disney received this year. So, take a little break in your busy day, and let's start daydreaming. Just a quick reminder to follow us on Instagram at Dis Daydream, like our Disney Daydream podcast Facebook page, or you could shoot us an email at DizDaydream at gmail.com. If you want to join our super Patreon supporters, you can find us at patreon.com slash Disney Daydream. We offer those patrons some very special perks because they make a monthly financial donation to support the efforts of our show. That donation could start for as low as $3 a month. So we ask if you're interested in that, go ahead and check us out. Our show is sponsored by those wonderful patrons and by Daydream Travel Agency. Your experts at planning the perfect trip to Disney World, Disneyland, Disney Cruise Line, Adventures by Disney, or Aulani. Check out daydreamtravelagency.com for more information, to request a quote, or to utilize any of those completely free vacation planning services. All right, so we got a really exciting announcement from Disneyland last week. A new project called Disneyland Forward is going to be their newest effort to work with the city of Anaheim in order to grow the Disneyland Resort post-pandemic. The company will be asking the city to approve plans to add a mix of theme park, hotel, retail, dining, and entertainment expansions along the western and eastern edges of the existing resort. The following right here is a quote from a Disney representative. In the 1990s, the city of Anaheim approved specific plans that would guide the growth of the Disneyland Resort and businesses in the newly formed Anaheim Resort area. And while those plans resulted in major improvements to the entire Anaheim Resort area, their traditional district zone approach does not allow for the diverse, integrated experiences theme park visitors now seek, severely limiting Disney's ability to continue investing in Anaheim. Today, hotel, theme park, retail, and dining are all part of one immersive experience. Guests expect that the future of immersive entertainment will seamlessly weave all uses together in ways that were hard to imagine 25 years ago when the city created these specific plans. So in terms of what is actually going to come here in future years, the West Side expansion envisions new theme park lands, 
on the downtown Disney and Lilo and Stitch parking lots. These lands could include Frozen, Peter Pan, and Tangled, like the lands that were announced for Tokyo Disney Sea's Fantasy Springs, as well as Zootopia from Shanghai Disneyland, Toy Story Land from Hollywood Studios, and the Tron Coaster that is currently in Magic Kingdom. Over on the east side, the expansion on the existing Toy Story parking lot would most likely include a new shopping and dining district, much like Disney Springs. Concept art for this expansion also looks like it's including a small hotel. And the other thing that a lot of fans are pushing for is a Wakanda area. So don't be surprised if that is thrown into the mix sometime in the future. But Disney hasn't specifically committed or mentioned anything like that yet. Now, a lot of this sounds pretty exciting but it was met with a lot of skepticism because getting these types of ideas and permits through the city of Anaheim has proven to be notoriously difficult in years prior. There have been many, many expansions that were announced in the past and that have fallen through because they get to like the city planning process and it it just falls apart. So I think a lot of people are taking the I'll believe it when I see it approach to this. An additional reason why I'm a little bit skeptical of the announcement is because the Disney parks are still in a really precarious financial situation. And on our last episode, we were kind of pretty sad about the fact that Remy's Ratatouille adventure is not going to open until October And over the course of this year, that is like the only new attraction that will be opening in Disney World. And we thought we might be getting at least three for the the 50th anniversary. We thought for sure we'd be getting Ratatouille, Guardians of the Galaxy, the Tron Coaster, and possibly some of those Epcot expansions like the Mary Poppins thing, the Moana area. So uh, nothing else is going to be completed this year. So it just seems like an interesting time to make this announcement. It's like, okay, how far in the future are we talking? Like, are we talking like a decade from now these things are going to be opening? Because (laughs) remember, like what's happening with Lighthouse Point? What's happening with the Reflections Resort? All of that is on hold or possibly terminated. It's just like, I don't know when they're planning on making this investment. We know how expensive theme park expansions are if it's a land to the scale of galaxy's edge i mean nowadays we could be talking about projects that are close to a billion dollars um there's no timetable that's in true disney fashion they're not releasing any sort of timetable yet i just have a hard time believing that they can tackle more than one of these projects at a time Yeah, I mean, that's a lot for them to commit to. I think it's very exciting. But yeah, honestly, at this point, it's kind of hard to trust that these things will actually happen just because of what we've been through in the past a bit over a year with a ton of things falling through. But hopefully it ends up working out. The thing I would be most excited to experience would be 
Zootopia. In addition to loving the movie itself, it's such a really unique and fun world to experience. In Shanghai, there's going to be an e-ticket Zootopia attraction, which I'm assuming they would bring. It's not just going to be like, it's not just going to be scenery. They're going to have an attraction. And I think that Zootopia is like the new way to experience something like a future world or Tomorrowland because it has that same type of feel, but it's just more themed towards existing IP. And we know that Disney is moving in that direction too. I was confused that they mentioned Peter Pan because the attraction already exists. But in Tokyo Disney Sea, um, Peter Pan's going to have a whole area, which I think creating sections of Neverland is pretty unique. And it's also going to have an, another updated attraction, kind of like a 4D Peter Pan experience. And the same thing is happening with Tangled. So instead of just getting the castle, Tokyo is getting a Tangled attraction, which I would love. And what was that? Oh, yeah, Frozen, which we know what what happens in, in Frozen there. But all of those sound like really fun ideas. I am, of course, you know, more interested in those than Wakanda, although I totally understand why people are so excited about that, too. That's just like my personal preference. Which one of these eventual ideas is sticking out in your mind? Well, I love all of them. I love all these ideas. Wakanda would be so cool. Um, Yeah. And, you know, these all have very, like, specific worlds, which is why it's so cool. Zootopia is probably the one that is most exciting because I feel like you could probably do the most with that. There are so many different... It's been a while since I've seen Zootopia, but there are so many different, like, places in that universe. It would be really cool. And one thing I forgot about Peter Pan is there's also talk of a Pixie Hollow attraction, which for people of a certain age is really exciting because those Tinkerbell movies... Those were big for a long time. And, um, of course, Tinkerbell is such a iconic character. And there's so much, so much merchandise is geared towards Tinkerbell. I think they're trying to do a little bit more with that character inside of the theme park. So let's move to our next news story. Some sad news about a really iconic person within the Walt Disney organization. So, sadly, on April 4th, Mark Elliott passed away. And if you didn't know, Mark was known as the voice behind 90s Disney trailers. And Mark Elliott's voice was the one you would hear announce upcoming features when you watch a Disney VHS tape. Um, Some of his most iconic work was the Walt Disney Masterpiece Collection promo, a Goofy movie trailer, the Rescuers Down Under teaser, and the Sleeping Beauty promo. So, truly an icon. I think his voice is very easily recognizable. I mean, I'm not even a 90s kid. I was born in 2002, but I can recognize his voice. Um... So, yeah, very sad news. 
I just loved that coming soon to own on Walt. (laughs) You know, yeah, lots of memorable moments there. And, you know, if you never used a VHS before, it's worth it. it, They probably have those short little clips on YouTube now. (laughs) It's worth checking out. And a voice that I can hear crystal clear inside of my mind. And so we're wishing the best for his family as they mourn the loss. And then for our final news story, it's just a complete and literal train wreck with (laughs) with what's happening with the People Mover right now. The People Mover at Magic Kingdom has been closed for over a year, and I'm just going to take you through everything that has happened with the People Mover um, starting... January 2nd of 2020. Uh, So on that day, there was a report of a possible fire that affected both the People Mover and the Astro Orbiter, and the surrounding area of those attractions was just filled with smoke. There, There are pictures. It's actually pretty alarming to look at, and so obviously those attractions closed that day, but they ended up reopening on that same day. Uh, Then moving into March of 2020, March 9th, days before all of the parks shut down, the People Mover went down around 1 p.m. Don't know why. Then in April, at this point, all of the parks were shut down. Uh, April 29th, 2020, Um, A guest filed a lawsuit against Disney, claiming they had been previously injured on the People Mover. And shortly after that, another guest with similar claims came forward. And these injuries reportedly occurred in 2018, but this lawsuit was happening in 2020, so yes. Um, And then on July 9th, the People Mover did not reopen with the rest of Disney World, and later on in the month... The My Disney Experience app showed that the attraction was, quote, temporarily unavailable. In August, the status of the attraction was updated to say it was closed for refurbishment. Finally, in December of 2020, it was reported that cast members were seen testing out the attraction. So, a little hopeful there. On January 4th, 2021... It was announced that the People Mover was supposed to reopen on January 10th. However, just one day later, it was reported that the ride would remain closed for the rest of the month. Here's where it gets a little off the off the rails. No pun intended. Later on in January, it was reported that the People Mover vehicles were crashing into each other. So... <laughs> Yeah, moving on. All through February and March, cast members were seen testing the ride again. And finally, on March 31st, 2021, Disney announced that the reopening would be unexpectedly delayed until May 1st, 2021. What keeps happening (laughs) to this ride? I cannot believe this. And I want to know... Who is working on this attraction? What team do they have working on this? Because this is Disney we're talking about. They bring Star Wars, like Rise of the Resistance to life. That type of technical achievement 
and they can't figure out how to operate like essentially a tram. I mean, what is so difficult about like the the people mover system? I just I don't understand it. Like it's on fire. They think it's fixed and then the vehicles are careening into each other. You know, they announce an opening for a week later and then it's like, oop, sorry, we're we need a, another month with this. I <laughs> I just I really don't understand what could possibly be going wrong. Well, it's a few train car type things. They move so slow. And I I just don't understand. This is probably the simplest ride or attraction in Disney. Like, I really can't think of how an attraction could be more simple to, like, program and fix. But I don't... Yeah, maybe with the exception of, like, the carousel. This type of thing is, like, the next easiest system to operate you have like the carousel and dumbo and aladdin and like the astro orbiter then i would think this would be the next easiest thing seriously but something keeps happening and i really hope that we get the details at one point in the future like years later they'll come out and be like hey remember when the people mover was down for like 14 months this is what was going on (laughs) uh or maybe they just have their not even their B, not even their C. Maybe they have their D or E mechanical engineering team on this. Because you feel like at this point, they could have literally torn everything down and rebuilt the whole track faster than trying to fix this existing problem. <laughs> anyway, please stick with us today because in many ways, this could be a rather historic year for Disney at the Oscars. We will tell you why that topic is coming right up. I am so excited about this topic. I haven't been shy about this before. I love movies. I love award shows. I pay attention to both. And yes, we have an Oscars party every year. We are just that family. This year, you know, the the party's not going to be as large, but we're still going to have a good time on April 25th. It's been 14 months since the last Oscars. It was delayed because of the pandemic. And we are kind of just rushing through, watching as much as we can before that evening. Disney, of course, has a pretty historic career with uh, success here at the Oscars. And Emma, let me just tell you, you are lucking out here getting some of this information. We we do a, what do you call it? Like a brat, like a ballot. We, we fill out one of those ballots. Each of us does it. Um, I don't participate in the vote tallying because I'm usually hosting the party, but we do have prizes to the person who gets the correct, the most correct um, guesses on their ballot. So you're going to have a few locks here after listening to this. And if you do the same thing at home, listeners, I don't want to brag, but um, I'm pretty consistently correct here. So take, <laughs> take these uh, nominations under advisement here. 
So in total, through the year 2020, Disney has actually won 127 Academy Awards. And Walt Disney himself won an extremely large total. 32 were won by him personally. A lot of those were um, producer um, nominations and awards. And Walt Disney also won a few special awards that were kind of created um, just for him. So the very first one was an award for cartoon short subject. They kind of have that award now. It's best animated short, but that was one in 1932 for flowers and trees. And Walt Disney also won one of his special awards that year uh, for the creation of Mickey Mouse. So he got off to a pretty good start in 1932 and then just continued to go off from there. And I mean, they just won cartoon short subject after cartoon short subject. These are little, um, very quick clips like Three Little Pigs, The Tortoise and the Hare, The Country Cousin, The Old Mill, all of these little shorts that you probably remember watching when they were compiled onto like one VHS tape. That's what we're talking about in the early years. Now, everybody thinks that Snow White was the the first movie to win like an Oscar for like best animated feature. That's not true. That award didn't exist then. That was another special award created for the Walt Disney Company because of their significant achievement in animation innovation basically. And that was in 1939. The best animated feature category, this will probably surprise a lot of people, but it didn't come along until 2002. So that recently. So we're talking about all these films that we'd expect to take home that award, like The Little Mermaid, Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast. It was before that time. So they do not have that award. Emma, do you want to take a shot in the dark at what the very first movie was to win Best Animated Feature? I don't even know when movies came out. Um, <laughs> I Finding Nemo? Great guess. Finding Nemo was, was close. Actually, the first movie to ever win Best Animated Feature was not a Disney movie, and oh. it was Shrek. no it was not it was shrek seriously shrek came out in 2001 and it won best animated feature in 2002 the really cool piece of trivia that i love is the first quote-unquote award for disney in best animated feature was not technically a disney film it was spirited away That's a Studio Ghibli movie, a Japanese animated movie. It's brilliant. And Disney, the Walt Disney Company got an actual Oscar for it because because they did the English dub of the movie. So they got a lot of that credit there for basically none of the work. (laughs) And then in 2003, it was finally Pixar's turn to take one home for Finding Nemo. And then that kind of started a cascade of success for Pixar. It won for The Incredibles, Ratatouille, WALL-E, Up, Toy Story 3, 
Brave, Disney one for Frozen, Disney one Big Hero 6, Pixar came back with Inside Out, then Zootopia, Coco, and most recently Toy Story 4. So a ton of a ton of success in the last, you know, 15 years, but I always think that it's funny to think about Shrek being the very first animated movie <laughs> to win. So Disney also has a lot of nominations this year, and Emma is going to go ahead and list what Disney is in the running for this time around. All right, so we're going by movie here. Starting off with Nomadland, uh, that movie is nominated for Best Motion Picture, Best Actress in a Leading Role for Frances McDormand, Best Achievement in Directing for Chloe Zhao, Best Adapted Screenplay, also for Chloe Zhao, Best Achievement in Editing, also for Chloe Zhao, and Best Achievement in Cinematography for Joshua James Richards. Next is Soul, nominated for Best Animated Feature, Best Original Score for John Batiste, Atticus Ross, and Trent Reznor, and Best Achievement in Sound. Mulan is nominated for Best Costume Design, Best Visual Effects. Onward is nominated for Best Animated Feature. The One and Only Ivan is nominated for Best Visual Effects. Burrow is nominated for Best Animated Short Film, and The United States versus Billie Holiday is nominated for Best Actress for Andra Day. So an impressive array of nominees for Disney and its other properties, but Netflix is coming in strong for the second year in a row. It nabbed the most nominations of any studio with a total of 35. Now, I just want to kind of talk about a few of these major awards that Disney is up for and what it might mean historically for the organization. Uh, So first, let's just take Best Picture because that's always a that's the award of the night and it's a huge deal. And this year, because Disney owns Searchlight, they will win this award if Nomadland comes out on top. Okay, so yeah, it's it's not what we would think in terms of it being a traditional Disney film, but Disney could essentially take the awards credit, and this would add to Disney's total of 127 awards if they end up with this one at the end of the night. So Nomadland is up against a slate of pretty impressive nominees here. Also in the category, we have The Father, Judas and the Black Messiah, Mank, Minari, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and The Trial of the Chicago 7. Uh, I believe that we still need to see three of these. We need to see Mank, Promising Young Woman, and Judas and the Black Messiah. But we've watched the others, and there's not one that... I don't like. I think they're all really excellent films. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. Well, Minari was fantastic. The father destroyed <laughs> the whole family. We were not okay after watching that. Everybody was just doing their best to 
choke down the sobs after watching The Father. Reach out to us if you've seen that movie and just confirm that you also bawled towards the end. (laughs) And I also like The Sound of Metal. Yeah, I mean, they're all great options. And I honestly, I don't know. If you just see these movies... It's like, okay, I'm trying to compare apples and oranges here. Like, I don't know which one is the best. And of course, you know, it is all, at the end of the day, pretty subjective. These award shows are, and it is political, and you have to peak at the right time because you do have to make the rounds and try to, it's kind of like a, like a political race in many, in many respects, uh, But if you are somebody like me who does follow the award shows that lead up to the Academy Awards, then actually the choice is pretty clear. Nomadland is going to take home this award at the end of the night. Just for the fact that it was nominated for everything, it has the most nominations of any film, and it's won pretty much everywhere at all the major award shows and it's won this category at the end of the night when they announce what's been the best movie of the year it's just been Nomadland so I'm not saying it's a hundred percent done but I'm like 90 percent sure that Disney is going to be able to credit this movie as a best picture win it's historic because Disney has never won best picture before the grand kind of prize at the end of the night has never gone to anything that Disney has owned because that's never gone to an animated movie. So this could be, you know, Disney's first chance and most likely their first win in this category. I do think that No Man Land is really great. And if you go into it, you should know a cool, some cool things about how they made the movie because it's filmed entirely on location and it takes you across the United States, mostly out West, but across the United States, and there are only a few professional actors in the film. That's kind of my favorite part about it. All the other characters are played by real people who live the nomadic lifestyle that the story is about, and I find that really pretty special. And it's just a beautiful movie that's really nuanced. It doesn't scream at you in any way about a message, but you can take so many things from it. It's it's about, you know, life and loss and self-sabotage and self-discovery, living every day like it's your last, traveling the country but realizing that you can't drive away from your grief and, and your inner demons. At the end of the day, it's about home and how you can still find home and neighbors and love among a bunch of people who are traversing the country in their vans and living living as a nomad. So I definitely recommend it. I don't want to spend any more time because it's not what we would think of in terms of Disney, but it will be their very first Best Picture win. Let's talk about Best Animated Short Film now. So what are your thoughts with Burrow? Because I remember you had some pretty strong feelings after seeing it the first time. Yeah, I don't know why, but I, I really liked it. Um something about animals and other like I don't know insects and stuff like that who have have like tunnels underground and their houses underground that's always like fascinated me I don't know why I think that'd be a cool life to have and so 
it was literally that and I thought it was so cute and then like everyone was like helping at the end um yeah I thought it was great it's another really cool idea of a world to explore and Pixar does such a great job of immediately making you fall in love with these wonderfully created animated characters that are part of these shorts and Pixar has won this category a total of five times which is really impressive this year though um they're not gonna win (laughs) and we will tell you why uh very soon the other nominees in the category just so you know if you want to um, end up watching those include Genius Losi, If Anything Happens, I Love You, Opera, and Yes People. Now, you can watch If Anything Happens, I Love You on Netflix, and Netflix is going to take home the win here for that. It's probably one of the most well-done animated shorts ever, and it's really timely, and that's another one that will for sure bring some tears to your eyes once you make it to the end. (laughs) But everything about that animated short is thoughtful and just grips and rips your heart out. We've watched it a couple times now. If it doesn't win, something is wrong. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) It deserves to win. It's beautiful. I don't want to, like, spoil it, I guess but it yeah it's about a topic that is constantly in the news it's a very timely piece and it's been out now for a long time um due to covid you know it came out towards the the beginning of of the award cycle last year but definitely give it a watch and pixar's gonna have to take a backseat in that category this year. And then I think we should end our show today by kind of going over the biggest deal traditionally for Disney, and we should discuss best animated feature here. Pixar has two different films up in this category. That's a big deal, and it's also a really big deal because I believe this is the first time ever that Pixar has two original films in this category and it's not something being nominated along with the sequel so onward and soul are both up for this and they will be competing against over the moon which is a netflix film Shaun the sheep farmageddon (laughs) which is a on netflix as well and then wolf walkers which you can i believe you can see that on apple tv Um, It's either that or HBO Max, one of the two. So Emma and I have seen every movie in this category. And maybe you burst out laughing when I said Shaun the Sheep Farmageddon. Because (laughs) that just sounds like a joke. And I will say it's stop motion animation, which takes an incredible amount of work. That was done really beautifully. But I wouldn't consider it a must watch. Yeah, um, Austin had watched it before me, but we actually watched Over the Moon and Shaun the Sheep Farmageddon both yesterday. Yeah, stop motion, like, claymation is definitely very, very tedious. I can't, I don't know, like, doing that 
must be just so hard. But as far as the story goes, there there's not much of a story. I like it was cute, I guess. I also don't like I don't know, it's annoying cuz there's no like dialogue. It's just like weird noises and like grunting and stuff, which like example with some like animated shorts and stuff, it's perfect with no dialogue and I like them probably better. Um but yeah, for a full-length movie that is just not entertaining. Well, I guess it's kind of entertaining, but not really entertaining. It no. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, I will give them props in terms of I laughed a few times and I would say that overall I was entertained even without dialogue, which I think is really impressive. But it it does obviously take away from the amount of storytelling you can do, I think, when you're doing that as a full-length film instead of what you can pack into a short. Let's talk about Wolfwalkers because I want to give this movie some love. It's always refreshing nowadays for me to see some hand-drawn animation. And this is that Irish studio that's done so many beautiful films over the years. These types of films are some of my favorite movies. Um like Song of the Sea, Secret of the Kells, and now Wolfwalkers. Love all of them. It's just beautifully done. And I'm not sure if like a lot of people would like the animation style because it's, I mean, it's not like 3D animation. It's just simple, not simple, um, more standard 2D animation. But I think it brings like, a huge sense of beauty to it. People that are our age or older like seeing a good mix of that now, but there is certainly a bit of disconnect with very young people nowadays. When they watch something that's not really 3D computer generated and they revert back to that 2D style, they definitely point it out. And I've experienced that as like a teacher. And sometimes I'm showing like, Sometimes I'm showing a clip, some musical clip from one of the older Disney movies, um, just as an an example. And they're quick to point out that's not real. Like, (laughs) you know, when you when you put it up against something that's done so realistically, like if I were to show the most recent Lion King, that's sometimes that's what they expect now. But for for older people, I think that we really do still appreciate that hand-drawn stuff. Um, and also the the story is really compelling and it has the voice of Sean Bean in the movie, which I love. So props to Sean Bean. And then the only other non-Disney film here, Over the Moon, it, it feels like a Disney movie because it has original music that the characters sing. I love the ending. I think it has a great message. Overall, the story is strong, but something about the first, I would say the first 60% of the movie, it just wasn't quite there. And I didn't think that the original music was quite up to Disney standards. There were a couple songs I really liked, but there were a couple songs I really didn't <laughs> like very much at all. Yeah, I I agree with that. I, I liked it... Um... 
I liked how it explored um, a specific culture. I thought that was great and looked into like mythology, stuff like that. Some really, really cute characters. It almost felt really surface level until the end. It was pretty like basic what the goal was. And yeah, I mean, it wasn't bad. And the music, some of the music was good. Like, and it wasn't like bad music, I don't think, but. It, it felt a little bit uneven, inconsistent for me. So would you also agree with me here? Because after talking about those three movies, if I'm reflecting as a whole, I do actually think that Onward and Soul are the best movies in the category this year. Yeah, um, I would say that Wolf Walkers should be one of the best ones, but I don't think that really has a huge chance of winning because it appeals to a smaller group of people. Onward and Soul, I I really liked both movies. I know some people didn't like Onward, but and some people didn't like Soul, but I thought they were both beautifully done and had a great message. Yeah, so getting to what might happen in terms of the results on Oscars night on the 25th, it's actually pretty clear cut. Soul is definitely taking home this award. It won the Golden Globe, the PGA. It has all the momentum. It was even listed on the American Film Institute's top 10 films of the year. And when that happens, when an animated movie gets onto that list, it has always won the Oscar. So it's it's pretty much a done deal. It would be a huge, huge upset if anything else won. Beyond that, it's the only film to receive multiple nominations because it's also nominated for Best Original Score and Best Sound. Here's the cool thing. Soul's also going to win Best Original Score. There's no question about it. It's won everything up to this point, and it's a done deal. It's going to be exciting because that means that Soul will join up as the only other movie to win Best Animated Feature and Best Original Score. It will make Soul one of 13 movies to ever win multiple Oscars. All of these have been Disney or Pixar movies, which is pretty awesome. Um, And the other 12 include Coco, Frozen, Toy Story 3, Up, The Incredibles, Pocahontas, The Lion King, Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast, The Little Mermaid, and Pinocchio. So that puts Soul in some pretty great company. Yeah, I mean, I think that Soul is going to win by far. Not there's not much of a question for that. I think it compared to Onward, I think Soul is better just all around. Not trashing Onward because I did like it. Um, but yeah, Soul is a great movie. Beautifully animated. Um, beautiful story. And it was very well developed. So Yeah. And another cool thing to note is that when Pixar has an original film nominated, it's won eight out of ten times. So, you know, obviously original. We're not counting like the sequels here. Uh, that's a pretty good win rate, so it's uh, it's always best to <laughs> not bet against this studio. When I try to consider Onward versus Soul, I did really like both films, 
neither of them make my top five Pixar movies. I know that some people are hailing Soul as like uh, an absolute masterpiece, and I'm not quite there. I did like it better the second time than the first time, but this brings up an important point. When I think about Onward, I think, you know, I kind of need to watch that again. And that brings up the point that momentum is so important. When a film is released is so important because at this point, Onward has been out for 13 months and that's just too long to win an Oscar. The best chance you have is if a film's released in November, December, and that's when Soul came out, uh, Christmas Day. Yeah, Onward was actually the last movie I saw in the theater before the pandemic, and that honestly seems like years ago. I remember parts of my, like, what I was feeling during the movie, but I I wouldn't be able to tell you a ton of specific details about it. Exactly. So at the end of the night, bet on Nomadland, Disney's going to add best picture to their list of Oscar wins, bet on Soul for animated feature and best original score. I'm not going to tell you to bet on Soul for best sound because a movie called Sound of Metal is also up for that award. And let me tell you, uh, it has great sound. <laughs> so, and then you should most likely lock in if anything happens. I love you for that best animated short category. We hope you found this interesting. Movies are great. I think part of the reason why we love Disney is, I mean, the movies have to play some role in that. So uh, we're looking forward to the 25th. We hope that you are too. And that's going to do it for this episode of the Disney Daydream Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and that you'll join us for the next one. Remember, be kind to one another and take the time to find a magical moment in each and every day. 